0: Hi everyone, and thanks for joining us for the season Gaming Bidcast. I'm joined as usual by Ames, and today we're going to be covering a main topic that's specific to are there too many games this generation? With everything kind of going on this generation, we'll kind of dissect it, talk about it, and go into that. We have our normal format, which is going to be our news. We'll talk about some rumors, some developer news. Um, also, some new releases that have happened in the past couple weeks and pretty much fill you in on what's going on in the next coming weeks as well. So, uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with the big news that's been kind of taking over social media. There's been a lot of inaccurate news and let's let Ains kind of clear it up for us on what's going on with Star Wars Battlefront 2, which just released yesterday. Ains, what's going on? Hey, everyone. Um.
1: Yeah, so, I don't know if I can clear it up. Uh, that's probably near impossible at this point. But, um, yeah, what a mess, huh? So, I think uh, everyone, as you said, has already commented on this. But just to make sure we get the details straight, because I've seen a tremendous amount of misinformation posted on social media, Reddit, uh, all the major sites, and even a bunch of YouTube videos as well. So um, essentially what happened was uh, you know, Battlefront 2, the review copies came out, and uh, people got early access to it. And they noticed that uh, they started to do some calculations around how long it takes to basically progress. Um, they noticed that, you know, you can get a big advantage once you get some of the higher level star cards they're called in the game. And people could buy those with real money or or buy extra packs with real money to get those faster. And then on top of that, they noticed that, like the heroes that people really want to play in the mode, you know, whether it's Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, et cetera, they were tremendously expensive. So if you were just playing, you know, average matches where you're earning two to 300 credits a match, uh, Vader and Luke were 60,000 credits. So someone calculated that at a normal pacing, you would need to spend about 30 to 40 hours just to unlock a single hero. Um, This led to a tremendous amount of backlash, probably the largest backlash we've seen, right, with regard to uh, loot boxes and microtransactions. And uh, this spiraled out of control quickly. So EA responded initially by reducing the price of the heroes um, down by 75%. So they went from 60,000 to 15,000 for the major heroes like Luke and uh, Darth Vader. And then some of the other heroes, obviously, a little lower than that. But they left all the, um, you know, the crystals that you can buy with real money. They left all that alone um, and they basically didn't touch it. And the outrage kind of continued. So this actually got so big that it was reported on by CNN and uh, BBC. And the rumor right now is that the Disney CEO himself uh, spoke to Patrick Wilson, EA CEO, on the phone a couple days ago. And uh, the response after that, this was what, two days ago now, I believe was that EA said they were removing uh, real money crystals or paid microtransactions from the game entirely. So if you try to buy crystals right now on uh, Xbox Live or PlayStation Network within Battlefront 2, you can't do it. So their official statement here is that that they're going to keep those removed. They are going to bring them back in the future uh, with a caveat simply saying that after they restructure the game. So, this again has led to further speculation of, well, they're bringing it back. So, some people are still outraged, but at the same time, they said they're going to make a whole bunch of changes. So, I'm of the opinion that, you know, this should never have occurred in the first place. And it's obviously EA just being overly greedy and developing a bad system. Um, but you know, I, I don't want to comment on what it's going to look like in the future because we don't know yet. So I don't want to continue being outraged until we see how they restructure it, what the content they're going to add to the game is. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there because we can talk more about the game itself here in a minute. Um, but you know, what are your what are your thoughts on this? This has been a debacle from start to. Start to now.
0: Yeah, I think for the hardcore gamers, I think um, a lot of people are just going to look really close at it and see if they're going to end up buying it. I think the casual gamer doesn't care. I think they're going to buy the game anyways because number one, it's Star Wars. Number two, there's a lot of nostalgia for people. I mean, we were playing it last night and we were just recalling memories of the movies and what we were seeing while we were playing. Um, i mean there's numerous times we're like hey there goes darth vader there goes yoda or when we were flying around we like this feels like a movie so i think it's a beautiful game and i think it'll sell only on that as well as the movie coming out so there's a lot of hype for it but um i do think that ea um needs to look at the way their modeling works for the game i think there's so much negativity in microtransactions and loot boxes in general right now not even specific to um star wars so i i don't know i think that'll really affect stuff um I'm holding off on it until a lot of stuff gets cleaned up, and I'm going to be working on the trial just due to the amount of software that I have. But I'll still be playing with you guys multiplayer um, until my 10 hours runs out, and then probably I'll end up getting it anyways. But um, I think they do need to do a ton of tuning. There's a lot of tuning that's going to come out, and it seems like this developer in general has this issue every time they launch a game. And what was the game at launch is completely different from what it is six months, a year, even a a year and a half down the road. That's just my two cents. I'm I'm sure people love it anyway. So that's just me.
1: Yeah, it's, as you said, developer, you know, with EA, because I know Need for Speed Payback is facing some of the same issues. I've seen articles about that progression being just a mess. Um, So I I don't know why they did this. Um, You know, I'm really enjoying the game. I will never buy a a loot crate with real money in the game. Um, I just don't support that. Um, But I think... Uh, the game itself is a blast you know i've been playing it all week actually i'm enjoying the heck out of it and it's a shame to the development teams themselves uh themselves dice and motive and criterion that you know they get swept up in this the people who have put three years of their life and uh you know their job and into the game and then you know they see all this negative press on it it's kind of demoralizing but i think that um you know The thing that baffles me, right, is that you could very easily with the Star Wars universe have made progression just tied to leveling. You know, as you leveled up the classes, you unlock certain things for each class just like you would in a lot of shooters and then had loot crates like uh, plenty of other games. Say, uh, you know, I don't even really care for Overwatch loot crates, but just do it like that. Make it fully cosmetics. You you know, you could have had all sorts of different outfits or, or even, um, you know, movie related things for Luke and, and all the other characters. Right. Um, and, and all the different things in the game, it would have been very easy to do that. And it's star Wars. Uh, The people who love star Wars and who want to collect all the things in the game, they still would have paid real money to buy the cosmetics. I don't Mm -hmm. know why they had to tie it to actual, uh, you know, game progression and, uh, ability progression within the game so I, I just think it was a bad decision on ea's part and they're paying for it right um yeah
0: so i think so yeah it's funny because you, you, when you first started talking about it we were talking about some social media blunders that have been happening recently and this one just takes the cake and the weird thing is social media has gotten so powerful as far as uh, software goes and and releases that you know, developers are forced to have to make changes. So to me, that was a cool thing, but at the same time, I didn't care for the ton of misinformation to the point that even I was quoting misinformation about it and you had to correct me on it. So that was just, you know, it's unfortunate that you go to a place that's respectable, my um, like respectable, uh, really quick, um, <laughs> and they're giving out wrong information. So it made me look like an ass clown. <laughs> yeah, so. it, it was amazing just how much
1: yeah. of misinformation and it, it's painful to read. <clears throat> It's like, can you just, you know, and, and right, 90% of the people quoting all this stuff don't even have the game, you know, yeah. like play the game, see what it is for yourself.
0: And then if you disagree yeah, playing it. Yeah, a lot of strong opinions for people that haven't even touched it yet. Right. So that's cool. And the
1: game, like I said, the game's a blast. So it's, it's really unfortunate. So just two quick thoughts. Your point about uh, blowing up on social media, um, the developer, or excuse me, the executive producer on Bulletstorm, uh, we'll leave that game alone. But... Um, <laughs> But he actually had a quote yesterday, and he said the entire industry, developers, producers, uh, everyone, you know, um, publishers are watching this unfold, and that if gamers really want to speak, you know, speak with your wallet, do not buy any of these things, even with, once yeah. they bring them back, because that's the only way that changes are going to come. And we, we kind of know that, right? The reason these are in the games is because Activision and Electronic Arts and these big publishers are making billions of dollars off of them. Um, and then the only other point I was going to make, which is more of a funny point, really, is I'm kind of glad, in a way, that this uh, controversy is happening with Battlefront 2. Because I hope, more than anything, that EA learns something and doesn't screw up Anthem the same way.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. As they've ruined other franchises that will not be mentioned.
1: <laughs> of yeah, they've had a rough year. Um, yeah. I don't want to say the A word, but uh, it has to rhyme with uh, splash effect and um <laughs> and uh the the you know visceral games was more heartbreaking right because we both we talked about that already but the ea has just had a rough year um in terms
0: yeah. of publicity so and we'll talk about another one when we get to developer updates that's coming of another thing that they did so and one last thing i saw with battlefront if if you have a chance go on youtube and take a look at what ign did um they spent a hundred dollars of uh, real money on uh, loot crates um to kind of open them up and see what they would get and the results are not what you'd expect, so they need to kind of tune that in general, too, as far as what they're giving out from the loot crates. So hopefully they do that. So Yeah, I've,
1: I've bought a few, uh, not with real money, um, but with the credits, because I've been playing, like I said, and I've yet to get anything um, more than just the second level card. You know, I think there's four levels of cards, uh, the rarity, and I, yeah, I haven't got anything worthwhile. So that's another thing that annoys me with these crates is, you know, at least up the percentages of things that people can get, it
0: seems like you have to just grind, which drives me nuts. Yeah, we're not okay. a fan of the grinding here. All right, so let's go ahead and move over to the next topic. So Xbox One X did release the last couple of weeks. Um, how is it doing? So it's actually doing pretty well. It is outpacing the p s four pro. Um, we have uh, we did want to mention and touch on the sold out issue that it kind of happened um, right before launch, a lot of the project Scorpio editions were popping back up on sites. I think the first place that it came back on was Target, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Then we saw them pop up back up on Best Buy. And then the weekend before um, launch of the uh, Scorpio, it was back on Amazon for like a day and then it was sold out again. So the the biggest, uh, I guess, explanation on that is that a lot of people did do a lot of reservations at different sites to hopefully be able to get their hands on one. I personally did the same thing. I, I've had a lot of issues with Amazon recently on deliveries and delays and things just not coming to me. So I did brick and mortar GameStop and I did Amazon. Funny enough, they both uh, I was able to get both on launch day. So now I'm trying to unload it at, exactly almost the exact cost of what I did I'm not trying to scalp it too much but that's why a lot of people just canceled them at specific retailers and so you can probably still find a project Scorpio if you're lucky um, at retailers um, as well Um, but they're a lot harder to find now at this point in time but really good to see that the uh, Scorpio slash just the standard x1x is selling really really well. Um, and Ains, did you have any thoughts on that? I know you were watching the sales numbers and stuff pretty close from around the world, not just here in the States.
1: Yeah, that's actually where I was going to go, so thank you. Um, yeah, so apparently they they you know Xbox doesn't have hardly any presence in Japan, but they'd actually sold out in Japan despite only, they sold like 1,600 units in the first week, which sounds extremely low, and it is, but when you compare that to something like you know 60 units they sell of the Xbox One a week or something like that, um, it's pretty impressive. They also saw uh, sellouts in China um, so I don't know what uh, the count of the consoles, you know, Microsoft doesn't give those details, right, but some of the people um, that I speak to in China um, on message boards and stuff uh, they they mentioned that uh, you can't find them and they're more expensive there as well, but they're, they're sold out there. Uh, the UK saw a huge response to it um, they sold uh, just way above expectations there and uh, Aaron Greenberg the um, head of marketing for Xbox mentioned that the US numbers were even bigger. So it seems to you know, we kind of mentioned this before. Both of us thought that most of the analysts were wrong, and that uh, you know this was going to sell well. In fact, I know uh, Michael Pachter. We've talked about before. He raised his expectation of twenty seventeen Xbox One X sales by fifty percent. He originally said it would sell a million units. He's now saying a million and a half. And uh, I don't know what kind of. Uh, job you can get where you can be wrong by 50% and still have a career, but I'm going
0: to start looking for one of those soon, I think. <laughs> He's so hard to take serious these days. I mean, there was a point to where a lot of his um, projections and stuff was a lot more relevant, but man, that dude is just on another planet these days when it comes to stuff. He's been wrong on a lot lately, but um, to your point, <laughs> I need to get a job like that too. I couldn't do that on my job and still keep my job. <laughs> no. I, I do projections all day. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, fifty percent. So, and, and funny enough, uh, one of the uh, one of the big groups I talk with uh, on Twitter and stuff about Xbox stuff is, uh, you know, we were talking about projected sales for twenty seventeen, and he called several of the members crazy for thinking it could sell more than a million and a half to two million units this year. Uh, a few months ago, he called them crazy and dreamers, and now he's raised his expectations to the numbers we were talking about. So, and he's <laughs> yeah. he's paid, he's a paid analyst. So,
0: yep. <clears throat> Okay, let's move over to the next one. That's kind of an interesting thing. So some good Sony news, I guess you'd call it good depending on if you're a trophy hunter or not. So uh, PlayStation trophies are now gonna have somewhat of a monetary value. Um, the easiest way to think about this is you'll be able to trade trophies in for a monetary value of a specific amount. So we do have a few of the numbers here. I need to look at my notes here just to be specific. So um, for 100 silver trophies, you get 100 points um, or um, simply 100 or one point per trophy. Uh, For gold trophies, it's 25 gold trophies for 250 points or 10 points per trophy. And then platinums is uh, 10 platinum trophies for 1000 points or the same as 100 points per trophy. Uh, What does that translate to in money? Uh, Every 1000 points gets you $10 towards, you know, purchases on the PSN store. So I'm not too sure about this. I'm not sure if I want to give my hard work that especially uh, for $10, you know. Uh, platinum trophies are really hard to come by and some games are near impossible. And for $10, I'd rather just pay $10. But I guess it does give them some kind of uh, a value for people to completing games and completing those weird trophies. Um, do you see yourself doing this at all, Ains?
1: Yeah. So I, I hadn't looked into the details about this. Uh, I would assume you, you don't lose anything on your account, right? It just it says if you have 10 platinums on your account, you can get Ten dollars? Is that was that what we're
0: saying here? I believe so. That is the the news article that I did read. Um, I personally haven't dug any deeper in that. That's just very much breaking news within the past forty eight hours. So I'll yeah. probably research this a bit more. But that's what it seems like so far. You don't lose the trophy. You can. Yeah, just there, there's no way hour.
1: there'd be outrage, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think this is cool. I think it's a cool idea. I know uh, Microsoft and PlayStation or Sony, excuse me. I've been talking about it for a little while. Um, I do think this is as expected, right? I think it's a little low. As you said, 10 platinum trophies um, uh, is kind of tough, especially if you're talking about some of the bigger games for 10 bucks. I probably, looking at this, I probably have 10 bucks where I think I have 500 some trophies, but a lot of those are bronze, right? Which aren't worth anything. Um, The weird thing here is that Um, You remember, what was it, earlier this year, I think we talked about a game that was released for 99 cents on PSN, and you could get a Platinum Trophy in like 20 minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. So Sony does not do a very good job on um, regulating what games release on the platform. Um, That can be a good or bad thing, depending on your viewpoint. But this seems to me like what this is going to do is it's going to incentivize developers to do just that right try and release cheap little crappy games that will give people trophies who are looking to hunt these things down Um, and on top of that it's going to make sony's job harder of saying how do we regulate this because you can put 200 hours into one game to get a platinum or you can put 20 minutes into another to get a platinum there's no there's no standardization there so this is it's kind of strange when you think about that way and that's a problem on xbox live as well um so i I don't know how you standardize that but it's it's kind of strange but i it's better than nothing i'll say that
0: yeah yeah and i think what they're trying to do is aim for discounts towards their digital software that they have on the store so to your point i mean you're not going to lose a platinum trophy it's not going to disappear and then you have to go for it again but if you have 10 platinums that gets you ten dollars off i don't know let's say dlc to a game or a new piece of software coming so i think that's their aim And, and to your point i think it's uh it's better than nothing um, I wish that they would do something like that for Xbox Live. I mean, you and I both have crazy gamer scores that we could probably use discounts for. But um, it's a good start. Uh, we'll see if it gets tuned or if it even uh, does well, but kind of, kind of cool, I guess. Um. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about the Nintendo Switch software coming. Um, when we launched, or I shouldn't say when we launched, but when Nintendo launched, and we reviewed the Switch and we kind of gave our thoughts, we were kind of surprised at the lack of apps that you could use on the Nintendo Switch. Um, even more that it's kind of like a mobile device, and you could take it on planes and walk around with it or whatever. And the first video streaming piece of software coming is Hulu. Um, I think that's kind of a weird choice in the sense to where a lot of there's a lot of subscribers to Hulu, but not to the amount of like a Netflix. Uh, I was hoping for Netflix to be a starting one. I'm personally not the biggest fan of Hulu because you still have commercials and everything, and but you do have the the new TV show. So if you're a big TV show person, which I'm not, um, you'll probably like Hulu a lot. Are you gonna Are you a subscriber to Hulu? Ains? I'm not even sure. Do you watch Hulu?
1: Actually, funny enough, uh, my wife just subscribed to it about three weeks ago. So um, you know, I saw this and I'm like, hey, you know, I'll check it out on the Switch. Uh, not that I would ever use it really around the house, but it's kind of cool. At least we're starting to see some apps come to the Switch. It's it, they should have been there at launch, like we said. Uh, and to your point, I wish it was us who launched the Switch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd be doing all right. We probably wouldn't be doing good, guys.
1: Yeah, I think uh, so. I think Nintendo's hit something here that you know we've touched
0: on. They're killing it right now. Right, and it'll be interesting to see if um, if when those streaming apps do come, if they're going to have the ability to do the offline mode where you can download the show or the movie or whatever and watch it later. I'm pretty sure they're going to. It's just with the uh, Nintendo Switch. Uh, internal hard drive space is going to make it hard to store a ton along with your game so the 32 gigs fills up really fast especially for media
1: yeah yeah consider it's kind of funny really because we're using what i've got like five terabytes i'm using on my xbox and <laughs> the switch has
0: 32 gigabytes of internal memory it's kind of bizarre yeah i mean my phone just a s8 has <laughs> 64 gigs standard and it's got expandable uh, memory up to i think like two terabytes of, of mini SD cards. So whatever, I guess, you know, we can't talk about smart decisions from Nintendo. They're they're doing pretty well for whatever reason. All right, moving on to the next piece of news. So GameStop did have a uh, new uh, program that they were gonna be launching or should have already launched. It was called the Power Pass program. And what this allowed uh, subscribers to do is rent software from GameStop. You, I believe it was like around $6 a month and you'd be able to go into a GameStop store pick up software, rent it, bring it back, and that would be part of the subscription. Well, in good or bad news, depending if you were a big fan of this, um, when it came to renting physical software, um, it has been suspended for the current moment. Uh, the PR response from GameStop is that they're doing it because their systems were not able to handle it as soon as they were expecting. A lot of rumors due to, uh, are coming out due to any kind of social media, I guess, backlash that they got of it being kind of a, a not a good choice. But who knows? That's I'm going to stick with GameStop at the moment. I, I don't really have a reason to think that they'd be doing it for the nefarious reasons. But I didn't have any plans on taking advantage of the rental program. I'm, I'm big on the – I'm already a pro member there. Um, but, you know, we'll see if that ends up coming back if it's a permanent suspension or something that they're just doing temporarily at the moment it simply said suspended Ains, any yeah. thoughts
1: yeah no no real thoughts here um I, it's kind of peculiar that they suspended it but um, i didn't have any i didn't have any plans to take advantage of it anyway i mean um, we as we've talked about we already buy so many games and are members of so many programs i, I there's not a, this one didn't really interest me
0: Yeah, at this time of the year, my backlog is ridiculous. I'm also a Gamefly member, and I've had Shadow of War just chilling in its little pack. I haven't even had a chance to start that yet, so I can't even imagine getting another rental program myself, so kind of weird for me on that one, but I'm sure that people may like it. Um, All right, so sticking on the hot news of the Nintendo Switch, so Nintendo did release some news regarding sales numbers, not specific sales numbers, but they did state that Mario um, was the highest selling game of October. Um, Also that the Nintendo Switch was the highest piece of hardware as far as console goes, so there's a little bit of conflicting news. Any you want to talk about that really quick because Nintendo reports funny and so does NPD and everybody else.
1: Yeah, these numbers are just, you know, they shouldn't be used as definitive, I don't think nowadays, because there's so many different ways software is sold and reported upon. So what happened was Nintendo came out, and it's been confirmed by NPD and Nintendo the Switch was the best-selling hardware. Funny enough, the SNES Classic was the second best-selling hardware, so Nintendo has one and two. Um, but Nintendo said that Mario was the top-selling software in the month. NPD said that Shadow of War was the top selling with Assassin's Creed Origins right behind it and Mario 3rd, but NPD also does not have access to Nintendo's digital numbers. And as we know with the Switch, a lot of people are going digital only, so it really wouldn't surprise me. I think we, we predicted that Mario would be number one in October just because nearly everyone who owns a Switch or is buying a Switch was buying Mario. Um, but yeah, NPD is reporting it was 3rd, but you know, take the numbers for what you will. Regardless, I think Assassin's Creed, Shadow of War, and uh, Mario are
0: all selling, you know, very, very well. Yeah, and I, I don't think it'd, it'd be a surprise to see Mario Odyssey be number one anyways. It's just interesting the way they report. Um, but November this past month was just kind of an insane month for software in general. Um, so many big titles and a lot October, of- ones October, you mean? October, yeah. I mean, uh, Assassin's Creed, for people that maybe boycott that in general, if you're not aware, Assassin's Creed sells crazy numbers, even if it's the worst title. I remember a Unity, which was full of bugs and everything, still sold north of you know some big numbers. So I, I, Origins being kind of like the best one in recent um, time, including some other ones that were pretty good, is, was expected to sell pretty well. And it's a good game. So,
1: um, Yeah, they, they actually announced that it sold... Um, oh, I forget the percentage. I want to say something like
0: 50% more than Syndicate in Week 1, something like that. Wow, and I love Syndicate, so I don't even know what to think about that because that was my favorite Assassin's Creed in recent memory, yes, over Black Flag, but that might be because I'm a big London fan. It's one of my favorite towns, and I got to see it all, so whatever. <laughs> okay, uh, moving along. Well, um, touching on that, um, it's kind of expected. I, I think uh, Switch is kind of the new hardware that's coming from console perspective. I mean, the PS4 and, and Xbox have been around for multiple years already, so we can't expect them to be... Uh, you know massive um on things so oh, d- definitely a lot of stuff going on for that um another thing that's kind of weird um we do want to talk about some skins that are going on for the new justice league movie so if you are an injustice 2 uh, gamer and you're still playing that game i mean it did release in the spring of last year but a lot of people are still playing it including us uh there's some new skins that are out for it um for to kind of go along with the Justice League movie. So the first ones that did come out was, um, I believe it was Flash and Wonder Woman. Uh, Batman and Superman and Cyborg are out now as well. So if you wanna get the skin from there, it's free. There's no extra thing you need to do for it or pay for it. You just have to go to the multiverse and do the challenges for it. It's pretty quick, um, even more if you set your AI to do it, you should be able to knock out each costume in about 15, 20 minutes. They're pretty cool. The The Wonder Woman one is the one that was already there from when the Wonder Woman launched, so kind of big deal on that but they're cool and if you're a justice league fan which i am I, I got them right away so um we did want to touch on a few things that are uh currently happening for black friday so with black friday right around the corner we want to talk about some of the hot deals or where to go or how to do it um and on top of that we did have some extra news if you do not have an xbox 360 yet uh gamestop is um having kind of a uh, special with the 360s. I think they're trying to get them out. And what happens is they're going for 70, no, sorry, $60 a piece, but they're also giving you a $60 melon rebate. So it's pretty much free. Buy it as long as you take the steps for the melon rebate. Um, you can go ahead and do that. And I, I know that you're a big Injustice fan yourself and still playing it. Did you want to touch on anything or any skins? I, I don't know if you even got them yet, but they're, they're pretty cool looking. Oh,
1: yeah. Sorry. No, I didn't want to uh, interrupt the, the Black Friday conversation. I, um, I was going to say on Injustice 2 that um, they had, if you haven't seen it, um, they released a trailer for Fighter Pack 3 as well, uh, which includes Adam Enchantress, and, and the biggest surprise, though, is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, And it actually shows all four of them. So I'm not quite sure how that's going to work yet. But um, if you haven't seen that, there's a hilarious video. It was at the end of the uh, Injustice 2 Pro competition. Yeah. That happened uh, two weeks ago, and at the end, after they crowned the champion, they showed the, uh, the first time they showed the trailer for Pack 3 and at the end of that trailer is when they introduced the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you go on YouTube, look up Injustice 2, uh, Fighter Pack 3 reaction, there's a video from the tournament where it shows the crowd of people watching just go absolutely bonkers when the uh, Ninja Turtles were shown. It's, it's really, really funny, so I encourage you to check that out, but it looks pretty neat
0: yeah that's kind of one of the best reaction videos i've seen in a long time just because all very loyal fans obviously to the series and uh, people were kind of wondering who the next guest character would be or in this case characters i think the rumor is is that they are still going to take up one slot on the roster it's just that when you change the uh skin of them you'll be able to change between michelangelo raphael donatello and leonardo i don't know why i just knew that so fast but um i love the ninja turtles yes (laughs) Uh, but yeah, that's that's what you're gonna be able to do. So it's kind of like the premier skins that uh, exist for like you know Superman and Bizarro. They have an entirely different personalities or whatever, but they still play the same and have the same move set. And I'm sure we'll see kind of something similar. And I bet you the super move is gonna have all four of them. Is what the is what I'm guessing. I don't know just based on the video here. Uh,
1: it would be real cool if you did the super move and Splinter jumped in <laughs> somehow. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I just so we're clear, right? Leonardo is the best one.
0: I don't know. I I (laughs) would probably
1: go with Donatello, but (laughs) I don't know. All right. So uh, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt on the on the Black Friday deal. So I know you've been tracking these closely. There's some amazing deals um, to the fact where uh, I think some of the sites or some of the um, retailers, excuse me, are selling like uh, new games, Evil Within 2, Wolfenstein 2, Assassin's Creed Origins at huge discounts. So uh, what's uh, you want to highlight some of the best ones?
0: Yeah, so a couple weird things, first of all. So the Black Friday ads are already out for all the big retailers. We don't know anything about Amazon yet because obviously they're going to do more of the Cyber Monday, but they are planning on having Black Friday deals. So let's go ahead and start with brick and mortar first. Um, There's been a little bit of kind of confusion as to if you'll be able to go on these sites and and order for them at that price. But So the big uh, retailers that have the best deals are going to be your GameStop, Brick and Mortar, Target, Best Buy, and Walmart. And yeah, you're correct. So all the, even the new games like your South Park, Assassin's Creed, um, those are going between 30 and $35 on Black Friday. So you wanna kind of pick those up. Now in kind of a weird thing, um, Evil Within 2 is going for only 25 bucks and that's gonna be at GameStop. So for a game that just released in the past 30, 40 days, excuse me, um, you can get that for $25 already. I don't see that coming down in price again, anytime in the near future outside of Black Friday. Um, Other older games that are really big, like your Final Fantasy uh, 15s, Dishonored 2s, you can get those for under $15 at GameStop and stuff like that. So I would recommend to definitely take a look at the ads. There's a lot of stuff for under $35. That is a new release. Some of the older games that are classics, we were just talking about Injustice 2, you can get that for $14 at GameStop. You can't get that for any less than $29 to $30 new. Um, Even when it goes on sale, you can find them used for less than that, but those are some crazy um, value that you can get for those. The um, other interesting thing is a lot of these retailers are opening up on Thanksgiving, so not even on Black Friday, but they open up in the afternoon slash evening. They'll open their doors up at 4, or 5, or 6 o'clock, um, wherever your, your uh, time zone is, and you can go and get those. So I, I'm not sure if they're... Um, be doing anything online like we were just talking at the beginning you can't go on gamestop.com and get those but that hasn't been made clear yet from any of the retailers but i will be picking up a ton of stuff on black friday because they're so cheap um take a look at it if it's a game that you were kind of on the fence about and we're just waiting for a, a black friday sale it's more than likely on that sale i i personally had i think like seven games um maybe eight games actually that i could get for less than 180 190 so you have to get those Yeah, buy Evil Within 2 and buy Wolfenstein 2, please. (laughs) Yeah. Wolfenstein is my number one game to pick up, as well as, funny enough, Evil Within, but you and I have very similar taste. Um, But I I was kind of, it was unfortunate to not see Origins come down. I think it's uh, just such a high end game, uh, which is weird because you can say the same thing about Wolfenstein, but it doesn't seem like Ubisoft is dropping it less than 35. I have not seen it less than 35 anywhere. Yeah. But um, once again, uh, there's also a few sites that um, track all the ads in one place. So um, what you can do is just go to Google, type in Black Friday 2017, and they have all the ads um, kind of organized for you to pull it out. And all they've done is scan the ad and put it on their site. But um, yeah, you can keep a tracker by yourself and what it is. Um, and if you probably want to get those, you're probably going to want to go on Thursday. I think a lot of the retailers will probably hold a stash for the actual Black Friday day. Um, But we'll see. I mean, sometimes there's tons of software. Black Fridays here in Austin are very hit and miss. I've gone into a Best Buy at like 7, 8 o'clock on the actual Black Friday and everything is still there. There's nothing sold out. But you never know. I mean, with this being like one of the biggest years ever for software, it might be out everywhere. Okay, um, let's go ahead and touch on developer updates. We spent a, a ton of time on news, so we want to definitely make sure that you guys are, are listening in on everything. So uh, a couple of uh, unfortunate things for developers going on in the past couple of weeks is Telltale. So these are the this is the developer that works on a lot of the uh, Walking Dead games that are, you know, your... more story-based and you definitely make different decisions, Wolf Among Us, the Batman game recently, they did have some unfortunate news. They did have a big layoff recently um, of close to 90 people, and these are going to be part of the actual development teams. Um, There wasn't really an official statement as to why it was, but a lot of the rumors were that they are trying to not work on so many titles at the same time uh, for quality's sake. So Some of the games that have come out recently, including Batman, The Game of Thrones uh, title, even the Guardians of the Galaxy are seen as kind of the lesser quality um, Telltale games. I guess some of the best ones are Wolf Among Us, The Walking Dead Seasons 1, 2, and even 3 are some of the best ones. And they were more focused on those games, and so they're trying to slim their teams down to focus on less software. So we'll probably see less releases versus in every, gosh, I think they were releasing twice a year at one point. Um, there's also been some kind of negativity towards the working conditions for that developer, but I think we hear that about every developer these days. But, um and you're a big telltale fan. I know I know you played a lot of these uh, titles and and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, just, um yeah, it's kind of sad, right? Um, they're in the Bay Area, uh, ninety around ninety people, as you said, which was apparently around twenty-five percent of their staff, which surprised me because I had no idea they were that big of a development company. They've really grown over the past few years. Um, they did say something around, you know, they're going to restructure and just less games, higher quality, as you said. And they, the one key point they said was that it's not going to affect anything they've already announced. Thank goodness, because I'm really looking forward to Wolf Among Us Two. Uh, Wolf Among Us was my favorite of all the Telltale um, titles, so. Looking forward to that, but um, they are in the Bay Area, like I said, there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of higher end development companies there. And it was nice to see, as usual, that some of the other development companies uh, reached out to those people and said, hey, we've got open positions. So hopefully those people can uh, land on their feet elsewhere.
0: Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I, I'm i kind of a big fan of it as well, but I to my point that I was making earlier about the quality of the games, yeah, some of the games that have come out have been actually reviewed pretty low. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, as I was saying, the Minecraft series is not reviewed very well. Um, but man, Wolf Among Us, and I, I didn't mention it, Tales from Borderlands is is amazing. So I would say that a lot of people actually have those three. So Wolf Among Us, Walking Dead, and uh, Tales of Borderlands as, their, as the top, tier for the telltale games but they're all pretty good and i think we can't wait for that sequel the wolf among us to come out so kind of good Um, next one i did mention that we have some developer news regarding ea so ea has purchased respawn so uh, if you're a fan of the titanfall games um, this is going to be either good or bad news in my opinion it's not the best news just because we've kind of seen the the destruction that ea does (laughs) to to the to the games and, and developers that they buy I loved Titanfall 2 um, in every sense from multiplayer. To me, it was the best first-person shooter story in a very long time after being criticized off the last one. So there's kind of some negativity that's going to happen from that. I mean, social media just destroyed the, the, the news. They're like, well, there goes Titanfall. But um, also some news about the Star Wars game. I mean, what what were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so um, it's rumored to be... Um, well, first of all, it's confusing, right? So Respawn, Vince, you know... Left Activision, started his own company, Respawn, created this great IP in uh, Titanfall. Uh, Titanfall 2 released at a terrible time. Um, They kind of blamed EA for it. And so that apparently impacted sales. And here we are a year later, and they've agreed to be purchased by EA. So I'm I'm very confused by the whole thing, to be honest with you. Um, It's rumored to be worth something upwards of like $440 million. Uh, It's incentivized, of course. And right now, we already know that they're working on a Star Wars game, supposed to be like a single-player campaign, which if Titanfall 2's campaign is any indication of what that'll be like, that could be fantastic. And um, they they have said that Titanfall 3 is in development. Um, So I don't know how big Respawn is now, but that's two major, major shooters. So we'll see when those are coming. I would imagine that we'll see something of the Star Wars game uh, by next E3, if I had to take a guess.
0: Yeah. And the funny thing about Vince is I, I remember that when he left Activision, he was like, I'm not doing this corporate thing again. I wanted to open my own company. And a few years later, he he goes to EA. So I thought that was strange, but, um, you know, money's money. Maybe, maybe they were struggling. I mean, we don't know the the stuff that's going on with the studio in the back end, but hopefully this is for the better and not for the worse. It's kind of,
1: you know, I have to wonder what Vince is thinking. They, they make this agreement a few weeks ago or two weeks ago. And then, uh, you know, the, all the, things that have occurred with Battlefront 2 and all the publicity around EAs like a week later, you know, the employees, there are like, Oh my God, what have we signed up for? Right.
0: Okay. um, Let's move on to the next piece of news. So this is just a rumor so far, but it is important from a developer standpoint. So Bethesda did change their review policy in the sense to where they did not send any of the kind of influencers and big sites, any kind of review codes for any of their games. It was done on purpose. They wanted the same audience to replay and review the game at the exact same time. Um, there's rumors that that might be flexible and changing quite a bit, and that kind of started with uh, Wolfenstein 2 in the sense to where they were actually sent review codes um, to a lot of people, not just the big sites, but influencers were also set those pretty early to allow for that to come through. Now we have no idea if this is just for social media reasons and they wanted to hype up the game even more, but there has been no official policy that that um, actual uh, review policy has changed at all. So no announcements or anything like that, but it seems like they're going in that direction. A lot of negative backslash happened um, when when that whole thing happened. So
1: yeah, hopefully the, uh, that's a good thing, yeah. I did see uh, one of the other sites. I don't know if it was IGN or one of of the major sites mentioned that they were getting early copies again of the Bethesda games for this fall, like uh, Wolfenstein 2, as you mentioned, uh, Evil Within 2. So you know, who knows? Maybe they they saw what happened to Dishonored 2 last year, and they said, this isn't working for us.
0: Yeah, so that's it for our developer news, guys. So we we do pay close attention to developers, and hopefully you get some value from that as well. Um, We did have a few rumors that we're going to touch on really quick. Um, that's once again some of these are false 100% and some of them are rumors So we'll touch on each one and tell you what the, the finality is of, of each one. So uh, first one um, there was a lot of rumors and kind of almost a hoax that what had happened with um, Uh, the Nintendo 64 Classic. So we've kind of assumed that there is a Nintendo 64 Classic slash Mini coming, just with the NES and the SNES, so N64 is the next actual, you know, evolution of it. Um, And what has happened is that there was a listing found on a UK site of Nintendo of a whole bunch of N64 games. A lot of people took that information and said, okay, these are going to be the titles that are going to be on that N64 Mini. Well, it turns out that that is actually not a listing for the N64 Mini, or even a confirmation of the N64 uh, listing. This is actually just a list of the Virtual Console games that were found on the Wii U for Nintendo 64. So if you saw that news, it is actually false. Um, once again, it was just a rumor. It was never confirmed as official news anyways, but a lot of people were speculating that that would be the uh, game list of the Nintendo 64 Classic, which is probably a good thing because a lot of the games that were on that list, I didn't care for. And the Nintendo 64 had so many good games that I hope that wouldn't be it. Uh, jumping on to the next one, a lot of news were was kind of talked about a new Zelda game coming in, a 2D Zelda game to be specific. Um, this was kind of off of one of the developers that worked on past Zelda games Um, And there was requisitions that were found online for a new developer to help with a new legend, and they had that in quotes. So I think they were trying to be kind of cryptic at the same time, mentioned that this would be a new Zelda game. Uh, This developer's been kind of responsible for a lot of the remasters on the 3DS. So at the current time, that's just a rumor. There's nothing official once again from Nintendo of a new Zelda game coming, whether it be 2D or 3D, uh, anything. But more than likely, it's going to be a Zelda game of some sort. We'll see if it's another remaster. So current time, rumor, nothing official from there. Last one is there was a more leaked information that came out regarding Battlefield 1 for the new DLC. It's going to be called Turning Ties. I think a lot of people knew Turning Ties was coming, but the actual leak um, is going to be the release date, which is going to be uh, December 11th, so right around the corner. Gosh, that's two or three weeks from now. So um, that is currently still a rumor. There's no official um, details that has come from... Uh, Battlefield 1 in general from social media or anything along those lines, but it does appear to be a leak, and we're leaving it as a rumor for right now until we have firm information from them as to what that is. So that's, go, that's our um, rumors for this week, guys. Um, always run into those. Want to make sure you guys get the accurate information, and let's go ahead and jump over to our new releases and currently playing. Ains, you want to run through our, our new releases that we currently have? These are just the big ones for the past couple weeks.
1: Yeah, so just touching on the, the biggest ones we've seen. So we saw uh, Sonic Forces release, a new Sonic game. Unfortunately, it um, doesn't seem to be doing too well critically. Uh, that's at a 59 on Open Critic, and uh, we'll give you the Open Critic scores for all of these as well. The uh, first and apparently only um, expansion for Horizon Zero Dawn is out, but uh, people are loving it. Um, I have it. I haven't gone back to it yet. But that's uh, being uh, rated at an 84 right now. A uh, Doom released on the Switch, so I know Switch owners were really excited about that. Um, it apparently you know we could talk more about it, but it apparently Rose uh, runs at some lower resolution and things like that. But uh, people are loving it regardless, and just having the new Doom on the Switch is pretty cool. Uh, so that's been reviewed around uh 880 on average. Like we said, Need for Speed Payback, um, that's really getting kind of killed in the reviews as well, beyond just being um. Having some complaints about the game design itself, it also apparently has problems with the progression system and uh, microtransactions. So that's coming in at a 61. Um, LA Noir Remastered, one of my favorite games from last generation. is back out, and uh, it's being reviewed well. I'm definitely going to be picking that up in the future. And that's uh, at an 80 right now on Open Critic. One of the other biggest games people have been waiting for on the Switch is Skyrim, which is we have talked about at length. Uh, I cannot believe that we're still talking about Skyrim six years later, but here we are. And it's being reviewed well at uh, an 85 on average. And then lastly, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is probably the biggest uh, commercial release on the past week. Um, We're both playing it, but that, uh, you know, that the whole controversy with the game has uh, resulted in a lower critical score, and some of the review sites I know are really taking aim at it for having those problems. So that's uh, only averaging a sixty-nine right now. But those are the uh, those are the major releases we saw. Um, it's kind of the tail end now. We finally reached the end of all the major releases. I believe that uh, you know PUBG is coming to the Xbox One in December. But other than that, um, it's kind of uh, more minor releases for the remainder of the year. So. Um, Why don't we talk about what we're actually playing, if you want to kick us off with that.
0: Yeah, so um, kind of this will kind of uh, take us into our main topic for the day, but there's so many games out right now. And um, I'm just going to touch on the main ones that I'm playing because I'm playing a ton of other software as well. But obviously, we're both playing Call of Duty World War II, kind of checking that out, enjoying it um four is a seven still playing i actually came back to this one because of the x1x which was a big deal um finished up mario odyssey which was really nice to see and get through um i took it on one of our my trips recently obviously you mentioned star wars battlefront 2 and i did come back to Dishonored 2 which um is turning out to be a beautiful game on x1x how about you
1: yeah, so as I said, playing Battlefront 2, um, playing on the Xbox One X as well, and it's absolutely stunning. Um, so another thing that doesn't get mentioned is just how beautiful that game is. It feels like you're playing through one of the movies. And uh, like I said, despite all the controversy, the game itself is uh, is a lot of fun. So uh, I've been working on Wolfenstein 2 quite a bit. Um, I'm, it's a long single-player campaign, but uh, I am enjoying the hell out of it. It's an amazing game, a lot of fun to play, very well written. And um, I'm likely going to do a review on that here in the, in the near future. So uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, I'm getting through that. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, we said, you know, as um, they took a different design approach with this game, made it a bigger open world, more more like a role-playing game. Um, you can tell they took a ton of inspiration from Witcher 3. Um, it just it, it feels like that game in many, many ways. And to me, of course, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, so I'm loving that as well. And then, as you mentioned, uh, you know, we're playing some Call of Duty. So, Call of Duty has been plagued by, um, you know, server issues and technical issues since launch, which is which is rare for Call of Duty. It's surprising to see that, but uh, we think, for the most part, they're starting to get things cleaned up. So that's been uh, that's been fun as well.
0: Yeah, so the issues with Call of Duty have been uh, multiplayer-based, obviously, and the biggest thing is on the first week of release, they were supposed to have dedicated servers, but they took those offline, and it was P2P only, which was annoying, because the old school, when the host leaves, uh, everybody would have to migrate the host. Some people would get kicked, some people wouldn't, and then they did fix that. I think, was it Sunday this past week? They brought dedicated servers back, so that's up and running, but the negative side of it is the multiplayer lobbies are still a mess. So, uh, uh, as long as you are the party leader of your party, you can mess with your menus, you can change loadouts, you can do whatever, but if not, you either see a black screen or it freezes on the last screen before the new map loads, so you can't do anything. You can still play together, you can still party and chat together, but if you are not the party leader, you can't mess with anything. So they need to fix that. That's that's a massive problem for Call of Duty. I mean, I, I change loadouts almost every other map, depending on what map we're playing on. And if you get a new grip or a new scope or something, you can't do it anymore. So... Too bad, uh, one of Call of Duty's biggest things was advertising and how you can play with your friends again and stuff. You can't really do that right now in an efficient way. OK, so let's talk about our main topic today. Um, as I did mention, with all the games that we're currently playing, all the Black Friday sales currently going on, and all the software that's come out this fall, I did want to talk and touch on, are there too many games this generation? Um, and what I mean by that is, there, are there too many good games this generation, which is one thing that is is massive going on. Um, So number one, um, and I'll kind of bounce these off your head as well, Ains, and see what you think. So back in the the 90s and even early 2000s, the the gaming industry was more seen as, you know, kind of kids do that or young adults or whatever. Adults are mainly doing PC and stuff. And it was mainly a a pretty multi-million dollar industry. Um, Where we are today, it's turned into almost a billion dollar industry in a lot of ways. And it's bypassed the movie and music industry as far as entertainment goes. So a lot, a lot of, you know, console makers, software makers are now jumping into this world of video games, video games, video games. And you have so many different choices for games now that you didn't have in the eighties, nineties and early two thousands and even late two thousands to an extent. What are your thoughts on that just from a money perspective? And is that why you think that it's so, such a competitive industry now than it used to be?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, the third quarter or excuse me, the second quarter results, either second or third quarter, I'm sorry, but it, it's averaging somewhere in the consumer spending area between four and five billion uh, per quarter. So if you put that in perspective, right, compared to where it used to be, say, 20 years ago, as you said, in the 80s and 90s, um, where you had, you know, you had a couple game, big games that released every year. And, um, you know, there just wasn't many avenues to buy the games. You went to your real retail store and you bought your hard copy. Well, nowadays, um, between um, Xbox, Nintendo, um, playstation and of course pc primarily on steam uh that the amount of um, revenue that is just generated by these platforms is is astronomical and it's still growing um which i think is you know we're, we're seeing right we're seeing the bigger publishers grow despite these decisions uh we're seeing people who are prominent in the industry like we've talked about phil spencer many times who's now uh you know part of the um executive vps at microsoft you know with a focus on gaming so even microsoft themselves one of the biggest companies in the world recognizes how big gaming is becoming um, and then you factor in all the other things you know the, the merchandising around video games so um i'm a perfect example um, but if you, if you think about all the um you know tv ads and merchandising and just consumer spending and all those aspects that create a large market for a uh, a product um, you're seeing with gaming now it's really really been commercialized so it's um it's a good thing in many ways but it it also comes with some negative aspects which we'll probably touch on
0: yeah the other funny thing is um when you hear people complain about 60 dollars games now where the standard which is 49 or 59.99 for a, a game these days is actually a lot cheaper than it used to be i mean if you adjust for inflation for an snes or um, not SNES or a oh, Genesis, no. <laughs> no <way. laughs> or even a Genesis game, or if you look at Sega CD, or gosh, if you want to jump into the 3DO space, um, those games were 80 90 or even $100, somewhere $120 at retail. Um, yeah. So, um, and what was, uh, gosh, Neo Geo $700
1: console and about two dollars to $300 games back in 92.
0: Yeah, so when you adjust for games, it's it's really tough to complain about sixty nine ninety, sorry fifty nine ninety nine or forty nine ninety nine to what some of the games did back in the day, um, as you were just mentioning Neo Geo being kind of a crazy console amount. So, well, and re- and
1: remember that most well now I won't say most, but a lot of gamers don't even spend the sixty, right? Because we were just talking about Black Friday deals games because there's so many, they <clears throat> excuse me, they drop in value quickly now and uh, we know that steam you know will, will advertise newer games for 40 45 bucks and then valve's taking 30% or whatever it is right off the top of that so um, that that's a part of the discussion around you know publishers and developers saying hey it's hard to make make money on these games
0: right all kind of crazy i mean we see games in every way of life now, it's an advertising, sports, um, you know, it's turning into a sport itself as an e-sport. I mean, it's it's all over the place now. So it's an industry that's definitely evolved, in our opinion, obviously, for the better, um, but it's turned into just probably the number one industry right now in entertainment, so very cool. But as you're mentioning, there's some caveats to that. So with everybody trying to get into um, development and all, to, to trying to cash in on some good games, is there a negative to that? So for example, let's look at genres, for, uh, for example. Uh, back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you would wait for that big game to release in the spring or the fall. And It would be maybe one or two games. But let's look at what's kind of happened to some recent games that have just never had a chance to take off that weren't bad games that were just kind of killed due to that specific genre flooded. I think that the most common genre right now is your first-person shooter. And there's a lot of games that have come out and just failed because of that. So um, most recent, obviously, Lawbreakers, uh, Battleborn, another game that was just flooded by just one game. But if you're just a casual player, I mean, you go to the store, you're just hit from everywhere with first-person shooters to play. And there's just so many of them, and a lot of them aren't really that bad. They're actually pretty good games, but you can't even focus on it. So with ADD being such a prominent issue today, I mean, there's almost an ADD uh, when it comes to games. You know, you can't focus on that one game anymore, and you're almost forced to play a game, finish the campaign, play a little bit of multiplayer, pick up the next one. Um, and you just no longer spend tons of time on those FPS games to the point that some developers are even taking campaign mode out of their games. So um, yeah, t- what are your thoughts, Ains?
1: So yeah. yeah, Titanfall 2 is a perfect example here. So if this was 10 years ago and a game like Titanfall 2 you know, came out, people would have spent They would have bought that game, and they would have played it for a year or two straight, you know, almost by itself. Um, It was a fantastic game, great campaign, deep multiplayer, and uh, it came out right between Call of Duty and Battlefield 1, and it just disappeared. You know, people weren't buying it, the population dwindled, and uh, it's amazing to think that a developer like Respawn, who put so much time and effort and money into it, um, you know, and gave all the updates to the game for free, which have been uh, extensive... Just uh, didn't see that didn't see that return. So I don't know what the financials were, of course. But uh, to your point, you had three AAA multi year developed first person shooters released within a two week span. And it's just it's uh, it's impossible. People don't have that kind of time.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because um you picked up Wolfenstein 2 and um, you mentioned you didn't play the first one. And I did play the first one and I was kind of like, man, you had to play that shooter game. And your, your immediate response was like, man, we were just flooded with games at that time. I never got to the first one, which is an exact example of what happened. I mean, Wolfenstein 1 was amazing. Triple A, in my opinion, story was great. And uh, it was just a lot of people didn't play it because there was so much at that time. I think Wolfenstein 1 came out, was that during uh, Halo 5? Or probably around the same time. So obviously that's gonna get pushed aside. Um, And then Dishonored 2, which is one of the games that I'm currently playing now. Another game that is triple A, high quality that a lot of people didn't get to play because of that. So affects a ton. Um, One funny thing that I was remembering from a nostalgic point of view is the racing genre. So if you remember PlayStation 1 time, even PlayStation 2 time, there was one main game for racing, um, which is still your favorite. Uh, What game is that, (laughs) Ains? It was my favorite back then.
1: Uh, Yeah, Gran Turismo set the standard, right? When that game, especially, so one set the standard, and then when Gran Turismo 2 came out, that's all anybody I knew played for months and months and months. Uh, And it was the same for Gran Turismo 3 on the PS2, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah. And so to that point, how many racers do we have now? We have Forza, we have Project Cars, we have Gran Turismo um, and other you know arcade racers. Uh, Forza has a whole other series, Forza Horizon. So if you're looking for that best series and you're not loyal to one brand and you're open to multiple games, I mean, which one do you pick up? I mean, there's just so many things to do now. Um, you were just talking about multi-year development. I mean, Gran Turismo did the joke of it now. They spent almost six, you know, five to six years on their current game. No, they um, didn't. No, they
1: didn't. They spent maybe four months (laughs) and then just took a vacation or something. I don't know what they were
0: doing with that game. Yeah. That unlimited PTO going around, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) yeah. So that's, um, genres are just all over the place. Sports a little bit different because there's so many license deals now. And, um, they have a license to that with NBA or or baseball is a big one. You don't see it as much, but you know, with the FPS being the main genre right now, there's so many shooters and you can really find anything. So in my opinion. I think there's too many uh, games this generation, but they're still being sold. Um, what are you, So, we both grew up at a time when arcades were kind of like what we did for fun, we, even at the grocery store. There was like maybe one uh, Street Fighter cabinet or Mortal Kombat cabinet, you'd do that. But arcades are almost, if not extinct now. Um, so those are no longer what people do for fun and everything is either done at the computer at home or with a home console. Do you think that played a, a, a change in the generation and how we're different now? What are your thoughts on that? You're a big arcader back in the day. Yeah, I loved
1: it. Um, yeah, I think it's two main reasons, right? One is that there used to be a time where arcade cabinets were very expensive, but that gave them superior technology. So you couldn't get the experience of a, what we used to call an arcade experience um, at home. Right. And I know Genesis came along and tried to offer that it, it didn't really. That was Neo Geo's big selling point going back to Neo Geo's, that it was a one to one. It was the same hardware at home that you had in the arcade and the price reflected that. But as uh, technology has advanced and those prices have come down, especially especially once building PCs became more accessible in the, you know, probably the early 2000s and beyond now. Um, there, there just became no reason to go to the arcade because you could have something even better in your house, and then you combine that with uh, just the social aspect. When the internet started taking off, and uh, you know, eventually social media came on board, you used to go to the arcade to one play the, the the new, more powerful games, but it was also a social experience, right? I used to meet my friends at the arcade. We would play for hours. You would joke with your friends and and have a good time. Um, that's changed now. Now you do that online. You do that. You know, Xbox Live. Um, was a big uh, proponent of uh changing that social behavior and how we game together and uh we're just at an age now or here 15 you know 20 years maybe even later that all those aspects have come together and uh there's no real point in arcades Uh, i'd love to see um Arcades make a resurgence, but I don't think that's going to happen. What we have seen, of course, as you know, because we both enjoy these places, is we've seen uh, kind of adult bars take on the arcades, right? So you have, for people like us who grew up with arcades, you have these places that are bars and restaurants that also have, you know, 30, 40, 50 or plus uh, arcade machines where people go to hang out and drink, but also play old arcade games they grew up with, which I think is very, very cool. But the arcade days as we know it are are long gone.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um, What was that? Dave & Buster's last year for a company party and there was a lot of the newest arcade games there which was interesting to me and it was really funny to see how dated the arcade games were Um, not even from a gameplay perspective but just graphically and and speed of even launching some of the games and I actually gravitated towards the old school games your Daytona USA um, crisis zone stuff like that because those were still fun to me but the new games weren't it's like I can go home and get a better experience but um yeah, kind of weird to see everything kind of change. But to your point, things have kind of moved into the living room versus going um, socially somewhere else. Okay, uh, last couple points on this, and um, we'll kind of move on from our main topic today. But um, so is it good for the industry? Is having a flood of software really good for what we're doing today? What's your direct opinion, if you were to think about it really quick? Is what we're seeing today good or bad or a little bit of both? I mean, what are your thoughts? uh yeah i think it's always a little bit of both uh
1: i don't think there's any black and and white areas here there's a lot of gray um you know what we're seeing and i am not going to get into any type of political discussion but what we what we've seen here is a real capitalistic industry right um we're seeing uh developers and it's all about who can make the better game and make the most money and um, that is doing two things it's giving us this plethora of quality aaa games which is great And you have more choice and selection in gaming than ever. Um, But what it has done to some degree, and and what that degree is could be debated, but it's squeezed out a lot of smaller developers. And it's allowed um, big publishers, the the multi-billion dollar companies like Activision, and Electronic Arts, and the ones we always talk about, Ubisoft, um, to to buy out these smaller developers. And kind of, uh, in some ways, it started eliminating game not quantity, but the different types of games, right? We saw a flood of FPS games because that's what people were buying. And so that's what they put all their money into. Um, Now we're starting to see um, games as a service, which we've talked about previously, right? So Destiny kind of hit it off and now we've got Anthem coming and all these other companies or publishers are saying, hey, we need to invest in these... Um, long-term online experiences where consumer spending uh, continues and continues over a number of years. So uh, the market is really dictating what games are being made, which which is what I meant by a capitalistic uh, industry. And that, that can be good or bad. Um, like I said, there's some good there, but Fortunately, I think what's happened, and we've been fortunate in the video game industry, is we saw the smaller indie games really get squeezed out for a period. Um, and we didn't see a variety in the types of games we were seeing. That has had a huge resurgence. So there's been a lot of programs. Um, you know, Steam obviously offers uh, indie developers an easy way to publish games. The whole ID at Xbox program has been a fantastic uh, thing for indie developers. It's actually, uh, I was listening to an interview with uh, uh, the Moldenhauer brothers on Cuphead yesterday, and they were saying how how fantastic it was to work with Microsoft and the ID team, and that's why the game came out in the state it came out. So, I think that um, at least they're focusing more on uh, on indie developers now, and we're seeing that resurgence, which is very good because I think we need that to balance out the you know three hundred hour, sixty dollar AAA titles that you spend or, or play for years on end. Um, I still love seeing those old two D side scrolling or shooters or old school role playing games and all those other games. So, I think. Um, I think the industry is, is very healthy. I think we know it's growing. I mean, that's just a fact. Um, and I think as long as we keep that balance between having, allowing indie developers and smaller developers to get their games in front of people while also, you know, having these giant publishers give us the AAA experiences, I think we'll be in good shape, but I just, I don't want to see any type of kind of monopolization from these larger publishers on, uh, on games as a whole
0: yeah great points great points i I think um, my opinion on it is i think there's a good and a bad the the good is that competition makes games better um and uh, i think the bad is that so many games get brushed under the rug that are fantastic i mean I, i think name and brand recognition are more important than ever right now you know you immediately talk to maybe some of your social friends that are not as hardcore and more of a casual gamer they know the call of duty they know the battlefield they know the Madden, all those types of games, but if you're a new shooter at a new sports game, you really have to market really strong in order to land anywhere. Even if your game is a perfect 10.0 game, um, you have to really sell that or either that or you have to get in contact with influencers or websites and really push your game and it really makes it harder. So I, I think it's, like I said, a good and a bad. We'll see what it does for the industry here in the next 5 to 10 years or even with the next consoles that are releasing, if we're going to have even more software. I think digital distribution changes things up quite a bit as well. So um, we'll see what happens. But um, we'd like to get your thoughts on this, folks. What are your thoughts on is there too many games? Do you do you have a hard time keeping up with what's releasing? Is there games that have your backlog going crazy? Like if you're like me and Ains, we have games that are still in wrappers that we want to just get to.
1: I don't want to talk about it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, my, my uh, shelf is, is horrible right now but um okay let's move on to our our next um one of our favorite i guess topics here and i i can see it in the background there it's almost taking your whole background but um let's talk about our collectibles this week i don't have any big ones i did a controller thing last time Ains, you're going to steal it probably for the year with this one but what's that lurking <laughs> in your background yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, pretty excited about this one. Um, this is the Prime 1 Studio... i got to remember to talk into the mic here. Prime 1 Studio uh, Geralt statue from Witcher 3. Um, it arrived last week. I am a collector of statues in general, so I have a, a bunch around the, uh, the game room here. This one is my first one from Prime 1. It's the most expensive statue I've ever bought. It retails for nearly $800. It's not cheap by any means. However, it is a fantastic, fantastic piece. So there's a lot I can't really show you the detail on just here, but I wanted to set it up. To give you an idea, this is about 2 two and a half feet tall. Um, That's a 27-inch monitor sitting there uh, with the RSG logo on it. And um, it weighs about 35 pounds or so. Um, The the base here is just, it's like picking up a weight plate, honestly. Um, To give you some idea of scale, I kind of brought over a couple small things. So here's a normal pop figure. Um, you know, they're about four to five inches oh tall. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, here is a 11 inch, uh, Witcher three dark horse figure. Um, so you can just see that it is a fantastically huge statue. Um, the, like I said, the base, uh, even without Geralt, the base, uh, here is probably like 30 pounds by itself. And then the detail on everything, he even has like glistening yellow eyes the sword has all the engravings like you would in the game, and it's even real metal. Um, the bow and the other sword on his back are real metal. Uh, there's actually like uh, pools of blood here underneath that you can't see that are, um, are you know, painted a certain way. It's all hand painted. These arrows are metal. I mean, it's it's just incredibly, incredibly detailed, and um, yeah, I love it. Um, he's one of my favorite characters in gaming now, and um, I. It's very expensive, but I had to jump on it. So um, I won't take up all the time talking about it, but I am going to be doing a video directly on the statue. Not really an unboxing, obviously, as that's already happened. But I really want to kind of go into detail and and show people what they're getting with this level of collectible because it's obviously on on a different level price-wise. So a lot of people ask me when they see these things, you know, it's like, how much is that? And the very next question is like, wow, is it worth it? And so I want to do a video to kind of highlight, you know, this statue. Maybe another one, um, just to just point out some of the details to make people understand why they cost so much. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. I actually have Tris on order as well. I think that's coming in like
0: February or something. But um, this is uh, one of my favorites to date for sure. Yeah, I was hoping to get like a uh, a bicep curl with the, uh, there. Is that, is <laughs> I, wouldn't, so I wouldn't risk it. No, I wouldn't. Risk it. <laughs> so, uh, well, qu- question for you, is it still for sale? Can you get it? And if you can't, are we looking at eBay for a potential?
1: Yeah. So, uh, this one they made a lot of, um, which as a collector, you know, isn't the best news, right? Cause you want the value to go up, but I'm never going to sell it. So it didn't really matter to me. So they made two versions. They made an exclusive version, which comes with two heads. So this is the standard one with the normal head. You can swap out a head in the exclusive. They made 500 of those. Those are sold out um this one is the regular i i messed up when i ordered almost every statue i have is exclusive except for this one unfortunately but regardless this is the regular they made a thousand of them um this one is number 200 something but um i believe you can still get it um i would assume just due to the cost you know it's not selling out right away what we typically see on the ones that don't sell out um immediately, are that they sell out within about six to 12 months after release. So this just came out, you know, as people see it, like here, and I do a video of it, more people will want to pick it up, and that's when you'll see it start to sell out. So I would not wait uh, if I were, you know, you, because once these types of collectibles go on eBay, overwhelmingly, they just go up in value. Um, and they'll be worth more. So, if it's something you're really interested in and you want to spend the money on it, um, go ahead and go check that out. I know um, one of the sites you can get it on is Sideshow Toy. So, Sideshow Collectibles, and their website is SideshowToy.com.
0: Yep. Well, it looks awesome, man. And uh, what's being big statue guys, and for people that are not statue guys, you should look into these. The quality and detail. We both have the Master Chief. Ains actually has the exclusive Eye of the Standard. And it's really hard to even look at a Kotobukiya or any of the other statues once you buy one of these high-end sideshow, Prime One, any of those, because the quality is so crazy on them. But um, yeah, take a look at them. I am probably going to end up getting that now, which is <laughs> my wife's going to hate me, but it'll be sitting probably in our bedroom somewhere. Uh, yeah, maybe put it maybe. on a
1: strong shelf because uh, yeah, this thing is a weight. I tell you,
0: cool. <clears throat> well, uh, let's jump over to our next favorite thing, which is. Season. Reflections. It's, it's that thought,
1: time. I, I thought you were waiting for me to do it. I was just going to sit here silently until you moved on. <laughs> well,
0: it is <laughs> the season for some reflections right around that corner. Oh, um, man. Well, how about I kick it off this time since you just did your, uh, G- your Geralt. I was about to say, yeah, let's hear it. Um, which I've actually heard people say Geralt. I'm like, what the hell? No, I it's not. I've not Gerald. played this game if you're talking about Geralt. <laughs> Geralt. He would have died in the first act. <laughs> yes, that's true. You can't, you can't walk around with that with name. All right, so Season Reflections, we usually talk about our favorite games from yesteryear to kind of uh, share them with you. Hopefully, they might be coming out in a remaster of some sort. Um, Mine is a classic from the GameCube era. So I am doing Eternal Darkness, which was um, an amazing game from kind of, I don't know, kind of a hit and miss with the developer. But um, Silicon Knights, um, if I'm not mistaken, that's who they were, right, Ains? Silicon Knights?
1: I believe so, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, kind um, of ash- I'm ashamed to say I have never played that game.
0: All right, we're going to have to disconnect. That's <laughs> un- unacceptable. Yeah, S- Silicon Knights, the reason I kind of went blank on it is because Silicon Knights um, did make another game that was kind of a horrible flop for, I believe it was... <laughs> original Xbox, um, and it was kind of known for that. But I'm not going to talk too much about that. But Eternal Darkness was a exclusive for the Nintendo GameCube. It was kind of uh, noteworthy, because at the time, Nintendo was not making these mature-type games. It was mainly your Mario, Zelda, etc. cetera. Um, but this was kind of an amazing game, because you could walk into it. There was different storylines. You'd play with different characters. Um, it was actually pretty scary for the time. At the, at the time, there was maybe just a few games that had the horror aspect to them that were really, really well done. This one had a fear meter where your character could get really scared and you would be able to do less things, um, and you had to kind of navigate the levels a certain way. So uh, one of my favorite games, I don't ever see this being remastered just because Silicon Knights no longer exists. I have no idea where the rights are being held right now. Um, I haven't even seen this on any virtual consoles or anything like that, but with Switch, rumored to be getting GameCube virtual console stuff, it'd be uh, weird, or I should say fantastic, if it comes out on the Switch at that point. But uh, check it out if you have a GameCube. I think it's maybe still playable if you enjoy uh, third-person games that way. But it was so it's just such a great title. How about you, Ans? What's your uh, season reflection?
1: Yeah, just to touch on internal Darkness. I hope you're right that it does come to the Switch because I would love to play it. Uh, I was gonna ask you: Is that title one that goes for extra money now? Is it hard to find?
0: No, you can still get it for about twenty bucks max. Oh. Um, you know this is minus 100% complete. I got a booklet and everything, even the precaution book. Um, and I think I, well, actually, this is my old copy, but I, I think you can find them on eBay for 20 bucks or something. Like it's not that hard to find. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: I, not that I have any time right now, uh, or even in the future, but yeah, it's one of those, um, kind of darker games, as you said, I've heard about so many times and I just never got to it, which is a shame. So, um, funny enough, uh, similar generation and similar theme, um, my game this this big ass is twisted metal black so the lights shine in there but twisted metal was a car combat franchise that started on the playstation one um fantastic games i loved them right from when they first came out and uh when playstation 2 started to kind of take off the rumor was you know are we going to get a twisted metal for it and sure enough we did get this they really um outdid themselves with this one um it it Supported surround sound. Um, what is the developer? In, um I can't even read that. But uh, yeah, I can't remember the developer of these games. I know they no longer exist. But this game took it back to basics. They um, they added a bunch of features, but kind of refined the car combat. They focused on it being really kind of dark and uh, uh, dark themed. Um, Sweet Tooth, so, you know, kind of took over as the the main central character, and um, you know, it just. It was just a blast. Uh, I really wish people continue to ask for Twisted Metal on the newer Playstations. I have no idea, given today's kind of social and online gaming aspects. We were just talking about why we haven't seen a proper, um, you know, car combat game on either Xbox or or PlayStation for that matter. But I would love to see Sweet Tooth and Twisted Metal come back on the PlayStation Four uh, with like you know sixteen or twenty player, what have you, uh, online multiplayer. I think that would just be absolutely hilarious. So. Um, yeah, I love this game. I played the living hell out of it. And uh, is it playable today? I, I don't know. It's it's going to be rather dated if you try to go back to it today. Um, but I just wanted to talk about it anyway, because at the time it was very, very advanced and, uh, you know, it was just a blast. So
0: Yeah, they, um, they did try to do, I wouldn't call it a reboot, but a PlayStation 3 version, and it was simply called Twisted Metal. Um, and it didn't do as well, I think, as people were expecting. Um, but one of the funny things is... Back when Twisted Metal was at its, at its peak, Sweet Tooth was one of Sony's biggest um, exclusive, I guess mascots you want to call it or whatever. And you'd see Sweet Tooth everywhere, commercials, everything, even if it wasn't Twisted Metal based. But um, to kind of uh, clear up the developer thing, it was initially Nine Eight Nine Studios. Then they went to is um, it Incognito or Incognito, something? Incognito, like that? that's yeah. it. Yes,
1: yes. But the David the, the, David Jaffe, yeah, uh, one yeah, of the yeah. big Sony
0: guys. Yep. yep. Yeah, so David Jaffe's kind of uh, was the main driver for the series. It had an amazing uh, story, and well, I shouldn't say amazing story, but uh, each character had their own storyline. And I used to remember, I used to try to get through the game with that character just to see their ending, to see the, yeah. the, f- the 15 second flash <laughs> ending that it was. But man, what a great series. And I remember playing the living crap out of that series in general.
1: Yeah, how do I mean, how do we not have at this day and age with all the We were just saying how many there's overload of games. How do we not have a good kart racer and a good car combat game on either Xbox or PlayStation with you know social capabilities? It makes no sense,
0: yeah. And I, I can't even imagine going online with Twisted Metal these days. You know how much fun that would be to drive a car around and blow people up. and Oh my miss, god, just
1: like with <laughs> yes, with um, you know, especially with the technology nowadays, like it, it would be amazing. I, I it doesn't make any sense to me yet. We'll get, you know, another
0: 20 first person shooters next year, 10 of which won't even sell, you know, (laughs) it's yeah. Well, I think David Jaffe has moved on to other things. I mean, he hasn't really done much of anything outside of, um, I think he had some weird like drawing game or something or, or, a drawing fighter oh, or something. Oh but... yeah,
1: yeah. It was the um. Oh man, I'm gonna forget the name. It's black and white. It just came out on PS4 yeah. earlier this year. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah,
0: that's all he's done. I mean, um, I think he's maybe just backed off of that franchise or something. But man, I wish they would pick it up. That was such a great series. Anyway, I'm getting too carried away on Twisted Metal here. Probably I need to play the PlayStation 3 version one again. Dra- drawn but, to death. That's what it was. Drawn to death. Yeah, that was it. I even think that was a free PSN Plus game at, at some point. Yeah, it seems it was. really familiar. So- it, yeah. it,
1: la- it launched on
0: PS Plus, yes. Cool. All right, well, let's go ahead and um, wrap our bidcast up for this week. Uh, first of all, thanks for listening if you've made it this far. Um, <laughs> if you want to hear the uh, the main topic, again, we will be dissecting it from the overall BitCast and then having it uh, standalone so you can listen to it. Um, some things coming from us. Uh, we do have an Xbox One X kind of... Um, Review slash discussion about it. we both picked it up on launch we want to kind of share our experience with you guys um, Should have that up in the next two weeks if not this week or if not in a few days um, Haynes had a big article that recently came out regarding uh, 15 years of Xbox live make sure you take a read of that It's it's really good it was uh, definitely a lot of nostalgia when reading that thing If you were around at that time if you're more of a new gamer, you could just have it from a historical read It was fantastic. Um, I recently had a controller uh, unboxing slash opinion um, on some Nintendo Switch uh, Power A controllers that more, in my opinion, are for collectors versus an actual playable thing. But um, tons of stuff going on with news, so make sure you keep up on our site. We're on uh, pretty much every main social media uh, platform you can think of. We're on Twitter, we're on YouTube, uh, and SoundCloud. Um, so make sure to subscribe and listen. We'd like any feedback that you have, so if you want to leave in the comments, if you want to give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, just let us know what we're doing better or could be doing better. Um, Ains, anything else on this one you want to go over before we shut it down for the day?
1: No, no, you, I think you covered most of it. So as, as all, I always say, I appreciate the support. Uh, really appreciate kind of follows and likes on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, we, we have been expanding our YouTube channel. Bert's been doing uh, some extra videos on unboxings and some new uh, kind of unique um, uh, accessories for, for consoles that you may be interested in. And then uh, I believe we've, we're going to have some upcoming reviews as well. Beyond the Xbox One X, we're going to do a video on that, but I believe we're going to have uh, reviews probably on Call of Duty and po- possibly Wolfenstein 2 coming up as well. So um, just keep an eye out for those. And yeah, as you mentioned, I uh, really appreciate anyone checking out the uh, article I did on Xbox Live's 15th anniversary. It is very long. Uh, it took a lot of time to, to research and get the details right, but uh, you know, for people who have been playing since, uh, since it launched, uh, it, it'll probably provide a nice, uh, flashback for you. So that's about it. All
0: right, guys. Thanks again for listening and catch us on the next one.